0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647-US12-WEST in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we praise you as our living hope and ask that you would draw us close during this time. Mostly, Lord, we desire that you'd be glorified during this time. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, we are headed back to the book of Revelation today. I don't know if I'm going to use this little thing here as an illustration. I don't know if I'll get to it or not, but I figured you'll wonder, hey, why did he bring a box up here? You're curious, aren't you? So you'll listen more attentively in my dreams. Okay. Okay. We'll go with that. Uh, I did want to, before we jump into Revelation, I wanted just to say, let's see, I got three things I want to say about the uh, Thirst Conference that we uh, did. The first one is just a personal thank you. Uh, Those of you that uh, made that possible through hosting, bringing food, serving food, uh, loaning car, just coming and worshiping with us, thank you so much because I think, where'd Josh go? He left church already? It doesn't. I wouldn't put anything in his mailbox uh if if you were thinking yeah anyway uh but uh if um yeah both of us i I know would say that uh, that was great for us uh if it if nothing else i just had a great time uh hanging out with some folks who worshiped uh were serving the lord and worshiping the lord the guy that that preached there ryan really uh i think took upon himself to minister to me during the week and did a great job of that and i was refreshed energized charged up regurgitized all those things I'm, re- I'm ready to go that was one thing second thing I did want to mention about that and uh, you know Ryan uh, one thing he did do is I don't know if you noticed this those came in the evenings he liked to sneak a second sermon in yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's all about but I like it um, and so I'm going to sneak a little mini sermon in now before we get to revelation and that is I was thinking about the whole idea of keeping momentum going And, you know, what is it about a special week? And I compared it back to teen camp. Some of you have been familiar with teen camp, and you know that that's a place where the Lord does some great things in people's lives, and you see decisions made. And you look at the ingredients of teen camp. First of all, uh, the young person is away from distractions. Uh, you know, whether it be the television or the phone or whatever like that, they they move away from the things that draw them away from Christ. They surround themselves with God's people and the worship of God, and then also they're around the preaching of the Word. And for a few of us, we spent uh, or for uh, many of us, we spent the last few days uh, doing that over the week. And I'm not suggesting we continue to come to church every night, though, wouldn't kill us, but uh, but I, I am suggesting that the ingredients of that, you look and you say, okay, God, how can this be part of my life continuing? Is it I'm, I was thriving and doing better spiritually because the distractions weren't there? How could I eliminate some uh, being around the preaching of your word more, or centering my life around that, or just being around your people more? Maybe a small group would be the great thing that would fit there as far as that goes. Does that makes sense. The third thing, one say for our preach, is. You know, usually after we have a guest, okay, this is, might be, I'm a legend in my own mind here, but I think, generally speaking, I'm a pretty energetic speaker. Okay, I have some enthusiasm, and and a lot of times when somebody else is here, I think, man, I'm ready to get back up there, because they were boring. Um... I told, you, I told you I'm a legend in my own mind. Uh, but, man, Ryan was so energetic. I'm a little intimidated being here today. I feel like it's going to be a letdown. Like you guys are like, man, we're, get, get some life in you, buddy. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. Revelation chapter 14. When last we left our story, when last we figured out how to work the little remote, we said... That, uh, we had looked at chapters 12 and 13, and we looked at what is sometimes referred to as the unholy trinity. We talked about the dragon himself, the devil. We talked about the, uh, his beast, the Antichrist, and we talked about the false prophet. And um, there, as you watch that, and as you see that, and actually as you look at life sometimes, it does seem like the bad guys are winning. And uh, w- when we looked at that a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, we don't want to focus on that. We don't want to focus on the Antichrist. We want to focus on the risen Christ, the, the real Christ. And today, uh, I want to make sure that we realize, those. sometimes in life, and I think we could all amen this, sometimes it, in life, it seems like bad guys are winning. The Bible makes it abundantly clear. And one of the things that keeps ringing out in the book of Revelation, as I studied, is in the end, God wins. God win. Actually, I should state that better. God's already won. Uh, but in the end, we'll realize that, that victory. So here we go. Revelation 14, verse number one. We actually have, I'm going to read through the first six verses. We've actually, a few weeks back, we looked at a couple of these. But then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. And with him were 144,000 who had his name, uh, And his father's name written on their foreheads. Remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about the mark of the beast? And uh, that is a cheap imitation of what God does. And I, I just want to mention that for a second because, again, just a life principle as you look at this, Satan is not a creator. He's not creative at all. All he can do is take the work of our infinite creator and twist it and pervert it. And we see that over and over again in life. God has that mark. Satan has a, a cheap imitation. Uh, God creates something beautiful. Probably in no area is that seen more clearly in the, the God's creation of sex and how God has t- taken i'm sorry how satan has taken that and twisted and perverted and defiled it very sad that that happened but we see that and we want to look for that uh as we look at his temptations what he throws at us in life because he is a cheap imitator and i heard a voice john wrote and he said from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder the voice i heard was like the sound of harps playing i'm sorry players playing on their harps You saw it. Uh, And then they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. And these are things we've looked at uh, in the earlier parts of Revelation. And no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have, who have not defiled themselves with women. They were virgins. Come back to that idea in a second. No, I'll just mention that now, actually. Uh, the people that they're talking about here, we are going to go back in a minute and look at the idea that stands out throughout here. We talked about the idea that the main things are the plain things or the plain things in Revelation are the main things. And one of the plain things is that every time we get a little peek into heaven, what is going on? There's praise. We're going to look at that in a minute here, the importance of that. But as we go through this text, uh, it's talking about those who have not been defiled or not defiled themselves with women for their virgins. It is possible that this is figurative and just that they were pure. It is also possible that those who are facing this incredible persecution were actually single. They were celibate. And the reason I say that is Paul talked about the idea that when we face persecution, it's actually easier. And for what he went through, it is easier not to be married. And if you just think with me for a second, if you were in a situation where somebody was trying to manipulate you through torture, you might say, I can take whatever you dish out, but watch her get tortured, and it's a different story. And uh, so it is very possible that the reason why they were celibate, if you were, why they were on their own is because of the intense persecution of the time. It is those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Hold on, i got to stop there for a second. Those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes, those who follow Jesus. I just want to say that it is so important that my focus, and keeps being drawn back to the idea that I am following Jesus Christ, we are, most all of us, are by nature people followers and people pleasers. And one of the things that I believe the church, our church, every church, the church, needs to be careful about, I have mentioned before that the there's a movement that started back in the 80s where a pastor uh, decided that to, to plan a new church. He was going to go door to door. And he didn't go door to door and say, hey, would you, you know, well, can I tell you about Jesus? He went door to door and he said, what don't you like about church? And he wrote it down. What don't you like about church? And he wrote it down. And, uh, and he decided that there were a lot of things about church that he could eliminate that, that didn't have to be there. Now, I'm not really criticizing that because I think there are some things that, that some areas where that makes sense. You ought to look and say, if there's something stupid we're doing or something that is not important, we ought to get out of there. Okay, so that's kind of intelligent. And some of you might be familiar with Rick Warren, and he he talked about the idea of, you know, think about your target person. They called him, in his case, Saddleback Sam, the guy in his community. We could call him Edwardsburg Eddie. Uh, (laughs) Just thought of that. Um, But, uh, you know, we call him that and say, hey, that's our target person. Well, there's good sense in that. Because uh, just like you know, you're fishing, you want to think about what you're fishing for. So that, all that makes good sense. But if I get consumed with trying to make sure that I'm drawing people in and making people happy, I'm missing it. I'm supposed to follow the lamb, okay? Uh, that, that's all I'm saying. This has to be the priority. I'm not really saying those other things are bad or terrible. In fact, they make good sense. But my priority has to be I'm not called to follow and give people what they want. I'm called to follow the lamb, and so are you, okay? That was good. Hey, that's like... My second sermon. Okay. Uh, these have been redeemed from mankind as the first fruits. Talked about this. Uh, if the 144,000 of the first fruits. Other people will be coming to Christ. And in their mouth, no lie was found. They were blameless. They were described as blameless. Listen, anybody in scripture who is ever defi- described as blameless is blameless for one reason. And that's because they've trusted in Jesus Christ for forgiveness. It does not mean they were per- perfect. Okay. It means they are redeemed. Let me read a couple more verses. I want to stop for a second. I haven't breathed for a while, have I? <sighs> <sighs> I told you I wanted to have that energy. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, pumped, I guess. Okay, then I saw another angel flying directly. And we're going to come back and talk about, there's messages from three angels in here. He's overhead and with the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, to tribe, and language, and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and the springs of water. Okay, now, I told you, sometimes when I come in on Sunday morning, I feel like Christmas morning and I've got that perfect gift that I can't wait to give you. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? You know, I finally, I think I hit it. Uh, my wife's going to like this one. This one's not going back. I don't even need to save the receipt. Uh, but uh, sometimes when I come in in the morning, there's something that I feel like the Lord has impressed upon my heart that I'm like, I can't wait to share this with you. I'm going to tell you right now, these next few minutes, this is it. Okay? If you're going to phase out, don't do it right now. Okay, if you're gonna daydream, get up and go to the bathroom. Don't do it for the next few minutes because this is something that I really feel like the Lord would have me give you today. I mentioned that as we look into uh, the Revelation, these windows God keeps opening up, He's revealing, and every time we look towards heaven, what is happening? There is praise, there is glorifying God, there is worship. And I want to talk to you for a little bit about the importance of worship. And I, and I want to start by saying this. I realize that worship is not all what takes place like when we're together here. Uh, that worship is not just something for churches to fight about. That's not, um, that, that's not it. Okay, I realize that. In fact, the Bible says that uh, our, in, in uh, Romans chapter 12 when it talks about our reasonable act of service. It's all, that's, that's the idea of worship. And our whole life is to be given to Him in worship. I realize that and yet when I look into Revelation every time I see it, I see something specific happening. There's actually a physical act of worship. They're singing his praise. They're falling on their face. They're lifting him high. They're glorifying him. And I want to take a few minutes just to talk about the importance of worship. And actually, I'm not really even talking about corporate worship, because I'm going to assume since you're here, you understand the importance of getting together and praising him. I want to move it even further and and look at the idea of how important worship is in your life. And uh, let, let me start with this. I, I haven't, uh, for some time, I haven't read the sermons by a guy that is a very famous preacher. I used to read them all the time. And this week I came across one. His name is Char- Charles Spurgeon. He preached back over 100 years ago. But he uh, he's still very relevant in a lot of things. A couple of quotes by Spurgeon, and actually these two quotes are very similar, to get this idea. When I bow in adoration, I'm at my highest. Okay, just look. Uh, Cool idea there he also said to be wrapped up in the praise of God is the highest state of the soul, but what you know just emphasizing that idea of me falling in my face and worshiping and, and, and here's part of the reason I got so excited about this I have mentioned and I, I, and sometimes I hate to keep bringing this up but but the reality is I have not known a season in my life where I knew so many hurting people I just, I just haven't um, this last week is no exception if you name a day for me this past week i could tell you of a great hurt that somebody shared with me whether it was the first time they were sharing it or it kind of got rekindled and coming up there are a lot of hurting people in the world and sometimes i feel quite honestly i feel empty-handed you know i don't know what to give i hurt for you i'm sorry I've got something here that I believe I want to give you today that might not sit well at first, but, but I, I really hope you can grab onto this because the best thing that I think you can do in that situation is follow the psalmist, especially in Psalm 34, but there's many different psalms. You can just Google praising him in hard times and you can take some time to praise and worship God. You say, well, that's, that's hard. I'll get back to that in a second because I know it is. I mean, I, I have been there. I know what you're saying. It is tough to do. But uh, my desire more than anything in, is to help you connect with God in this. And I hope that we you know, understand just the importance of individual worship. And, and, and listen, that can look different. In fact, it will look different for different people. What I mean is, for me, a worship time usually means walking along singing His praise. Sometimes it means getting out a list and writing down the things I'm thankful for. For my wife, she does, she's not in here today, uh, she does these little shoulder exercises, and she lays at the table, puts her head down on the table, and does these weird little swirly things. The dog always is like, pet me, pet me. Uh, it really confuses the dog, uh, but, uh, but she'll do that, But she, so she puts on a worship song and does her little swirly things, and they man, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, she, she has this little, she has this, uh, something with her eyes going where she puts this little mask on, this little warm mask too, uh, to help her eyes. And she puts that on. Sometimes I'll walk in there and she's got this mask on and the worship music's going. I'm like, yeah, this is weird. I'm out of here. Uh, but, uh, but that is, but that, that for, and I just want to encourage you. Listen, I don't know what it looks like for you, but I do know this. If I can admonish, if I can plead with you, figure out what it looks like for you and worship God, bow before Him. I don't, again, I don't know exactly what it's going to look different for different people. Um, my uh, I, we have two children, uh, neither one is really great at expressing thanks and uh, kindness, and they got it naturally because I'm not very good. But every once in a while, my, my daughter, you know, on a birthday or Father's Day, will take the time to write out a, uh, a note, you know, how much you glad i'm her dad and stuff like that and how i'm the most wonderful person in the world uh and uh you know i'll read and i gotta tell you nothing nothing lifts my heart like that i'd love to get that now my son's even worse but uh and i'll remember this as long as i live i'm riding in the car one day with my daughter-in-law and I don't know where the conversation was going, but she said, that, you know, you do know, don't you, that you're the most, uh, you're the person Travis wants to be like most in the world and that he loves you more than anything and wants to please you. Yeah, I know. I was like, no, I didn't know that. Nobody ever told me that. Uh, but, you know, I'll hold on to that forever. And I just was thinking of how much that lifted my heart and my spirit, and how much our Heavenly Father desires that, and, and that we're called to that, and glorify Him, and praise Him, and, and, and talk about His greatness. And I want to suggest to you again, you don't have to go Baptist, you know, you don't have to. Let me do that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm spastic, I'll have a good time. But I'm s i am am pleading with you, find out what it looks like, what your individual praise and your worship of him looks like and make it part of your life. And I would say and you might be able to say, it's hard and it's really hard when I'm going through a hard time. I get that completely, but all I could do is admonish you and plead with you, push through it. Because as hard as it is, that's exactly what the psalmist did in hard times. That's exactly why he wrote the psalm. Again, Psalm 34. What did Paul and Silas do in in the book of Acts when they were in prison and going through a hard time? They sang his praise. Push through it. Find what works for you. Almighty fortress is our God. Sing it. Third verse, sing it. The third verse says, although this world is devil-filled and it threatens to undo us, Okay, but I'm going to praise you anyway, Almighty Fortress is our God. Go back about 15 years and get you some casting crowns where he sang, I will praise you in the storm, although my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. in the last couple of years a lady named uh, Lydia Laird, Lydia yeah, Lydia Laird Laird, she wrote a song called hallelujah even here. man, that's incredible. Hallelujah even here, even where I went where I am, even where in this heartache, I want to praise you, uh, you know, I want to worship you, and I say again, yes, I, you know, I hope you, you catch what I, what I just said there, I'm not saying, hey, don't worry about it, just praise God, no big deal, I'm not, I'm not being stupid about it, I'm really not, uh, but I have found in my life that when I am, it is hard, the, the best thing that I can do, the best thing that I can do is to stop and focus on Him and His greatness, I mean, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, that, that, that's where it is. So the importance of worship. And that, that just is one of the things that jumps out to me over and over again as I go through the book of Revelation, and I just see that every time uh, we get this peek into heaven and what's going on, we see people worshiping. We see people praising him and how important this is that this be part of our life. I'm going back to a couple of verses we already read just because we talk about this first angel. I saw this angel. And what is he doing? He's proclaiming the gospel. Okay? Fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment has come. I don't really know again. I would believe that this is a literal angel. There are others that think um, there's a, a Christian television company that has their satellite is called Angel One because that is used to proclaim the gospel around the world. And perhaps that is what the angel will be. Uh, but way back, even around uh, colonial times, there was a commentator by the name of Adam Clark. <laughs> I always like that name. Uh, but, uh, but Adam writes, and, uh, and he wrote about the, the, a Bible society, Bible printers at that time, who were spreading the gospel around the world and said that that would be what it is. I think it's going to be a literal angel. I really do. But I think with, no matter what, one of the things we see in Scripture is that at the end times, God's going to make a special point in sharing the gospel like it has never been proclaimed before. Okay. Now, the amazing thing about this, an angel sharing the gospel is they've never done that before. You know whose job that is right now? Right here. Right here. God has said, hey, that's for you to share the gospel. But at this time, this angel is going to proclaim and he's going to he's going to say, give him glory. Uh, The hour of judgment has come and worship him who has made the heaven and the seas. Let's go to the second uh, angel here for a second. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Another Spurgeon quote from a sermon here. Sooner or later, you will give glory to God. The only question is whether or not that glory will be given willingly. But you will glorify him. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, every knee. Every knee he knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is lord another angel a second one says fallen fallen is babylon the great she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality uh, babylon is used as a picture of the culture of the world that has got become corrupt when i talked about the devil twisting things there's no area more sexual immorality And uh, so the first angel proclaims the gospel. The second one proclaims the fallenness. Let's see what the third angel is going to do here. And another angel, a third angel, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of God's wrath, poured out full strength into the cup of his anger. Hold on a second. Would you please think with me for a second? And I, I don't think you need to have a real vast Bible knowledge to think through this. There's another time in Scripture where it talks about a cup of God's wrath. Okay, th- try, to, try to think of when that might be. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did Jesus pray? If possible, what? Let this cup pass from me. You might remember that. Uh, but it did, but it was not. And Jesus had that wrath poured out upon him. I'm going to come back to this idea in a, in a minute, but so either. Either I'm going to drink of the wrath of God, or I'm going to allow Jesus to drink of the wrath of God for me, which is why he did it. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute here. Let's let's finish. And he would be tormented with fire and sulfur. In the, oh, come on, Dan. You're really going to go all fire and brimstone on us here? I didn't do it. The Bible did. Uh, in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. You know, I have said from the pulpit that hell is absence of God but truth of the matter is it's not an absence from his justice okay you see right there it's in the presence of the lamb and I have to have to declare that hell is a very real thing and you might say well you're losing me right there and that I understand. I mean, yeah, if you don't want that, uh, I you know I can't force you to believe anything like that. But I can tell you that it is very real. And you might be thinking, hey, you know what? You know, what I like better than that. I like this. <laughs> Actually, I like this too. When I get my Volkswagen van, I'm painting that on the side of my Volkswagen van. I, van. I think I'd be pretty doggone cool too uh, with that, or at least uh, flash back to the 70s there. But uh, and and I don't. I really am not mocking this. Jesus is love. Okay, I'm not not mocking it, but we like that. Uh, We might like this one a little bit better when you see how he showed his love. He demonstrated his love on the cross, and we get this idea. One other thing I want to show you real fast is that the Apostle John, who wrote this book that we're reading, Revelation, is called the Apostle of Love, sometimes referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So these two people, Jesus is love. John, the Apostle of Love, did you know that those two talked about hell more than anybody else in the Bible? Those are the top two. Jesus, number one, and John, number two, talked about hell. So apparently, it is not unloving to preach and to talk about the fact that there is a payment that is required for sin, and uh, there is a there is a price on sin. And here's the thing about this, folks: um, a partial payment won't do. A partial payment won't do. That's why in the Old Testament they had to go in and do their little sacrifices over and over and over again. But the book of Hebrew tells us that when Jesus came, he once and for all paid the price. Done deal. And, that he, and he is the only one who can completely satisfy the justice of God. So if I decide that I want to try to satisfy God's justice by my good behavior or my religious works, I am going to come up short. And when you read about that torment, uh, I might have skipped ahead of that, but it talks about forever and ever. And you say, well, that's just terrible. That's just cruel. It'd be better if it was done and over with. But it talks about the, the punishment being forever and ever. That's because that justice is never satisfied. It is going to be forever and ever. I'm sorry. That's where it is. I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm just saying that, that that's where it is. Now, I don't think I'm going to jump to the other parts here for a second. I want to just show you something. Uh, this, is, this is pretty goofy here. Um, a couple years ago, we were looking for a new Christmas game. Somebody said, well, get Wits and Wagers. And everybody was sold out of it, uh, except they had this version, the Vegas edition. It says right here, it's Vegas, baby. <laughs> So, uh, so, so we picked up the Vegas edition, and what happens is, I don't know if any of you ever played this game, but they ask you some goofy question that you kind of have to guess at the answer, you know, like how tall is the Niagara Falls, and you guess, you know, in feet, and, and then, but in the Vegas version, you have this chart, kind of looks like a table here in Vegas, and you put your answers in order as far as, you know, the, the smallest guess to the largest, and then you have these little chips that you could go and bet on the answers, uh, as it went. So it's, it's kind of a fun little game or whatever like that. Well, we were playing actually last week with our guests from Life Action. The two guys are playing with us and we got to the last round and I was getting killed. And uh, I thought, you know, there's only one way I can win this game. And that is if I pick the most outlandish answer and then bet on myself. Okay, so I thought, that's the only only way is if I could, because the more outlandish the answer, the highest, the higher your return rate is, this five to one odds, you know, right here. Uh, So I knew, I put the answer up there, and then I bet all everything on that, because that's the only way I was going to win. It's the only way I was going to come back. It was the last question. The only way I was going to get it right. So I was all in on myself. I bet completely on myself. Ask me how that turned out for me. (laughs) Not good. But here's the thing. When we, talk, when we talk about our eternal relationship with God, there are a lot of people who are all in on themselves. Or maybe they're all in on religion. Or maybe, you know, whatever. Maybe they're all in on good works. Maybe they're all in on their philosophy that they think is right. Can I tell you something? They're going to lose big time. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead and I'm, I'm sorry we're not going to finish reading in the chapter this week. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead and just to remind you of this main idea. Because in the end, it is God who wins. So if I'm betting in a different direction, okay, I'm betting on, hey, I, I can do enough good things. I'm betting that I've done, you know, I've done, my, maybe I've given enough money to church or, or whatever like that. Think about that. I am... I am betting on a losing deal because we know the answer. Revelation records it so clearly. And if I may review for a second, and, you know, like I said, very much, I want to give you something that you take away. The the one thing I want to go back to is the idea is I hope that you'll look and say, okay, my praise life, my worship life, my own worship of God, God, what do you want to do with that? How do you want to change that in me? How do you want to make that more of a reality? How do you want to make that more powerful? How do you want me to, draw, to gl- draw closer to you in that? But the second thing that I want to state over and over again is that heaven is real and victory is real and praise is real and hell is real and hell is forever, very simply. And if we bet on ourselves, if we think that somehow I can earn my way uh, towards deserving eternal life. The Bible makes it very plain that there is one way, and that one way is through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, my work is always good. Here, here's the thing. An imperfect sacrifice cannot satisfy a perfect God. Let me say that again. An imperfect sacrifice. I don't think there's anybody in here sit up and say, oh, I'm perfect. Okay, we all know, regardless of how wonderful we think we are, We all know we're not perfect. And an imperfect sacrifice can never satisfy a perfect and holy God. He is only satisfied through a perfect sacrifice. And that's what the Bible says so much that Jesus was. If you read the book of of Hebrews, again, it just emphasizes that over and over again. They had their temporary sacrifices in the Old Testament, and they were just to give you a picture because they could never save anybody. They could never offer anybody any forgiveness of sin. They could never cover sin. That can only be done through Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God who laid down His life. That's That's the only way. So my pleading and my urging with you today is is twofold. One is worshiping him. How are we doing that? But two is, if there's anything else that you're betting on, okay? I think this will get me to heaven. The Bible makes it real plain, who wins at the end? God wins. God wins. And he also makes it very plain that there is only one way for us to know forgiveness and to know eternal life, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Anybody, whoever stands, and you know, it, this is cool. I, I said this before. I can stand before you today, and I can say, I'm blameless, and you're like, <laughs> who's he kidding? Uh, and then I can stand, and I can say, I am righteous, and you're like, man, is he impressed with himself. Please know this, I will stand and tell you boldly I'm blameless and I'm righteous because my faith is in Jesus Christ and his blood paid for it all. He sacrificed himself and paid for it all. So I will say that very boldly. If you can't say that today, may I tell you that it is really just as God speaks to your heart and says, hey, come on, he's right. Would you listen? Come on, come on, what he's saying is true. He's, He's saying my word to you. Would you listen and would you trust me? Because I sent my son to pay the price for your sin. Please trust in me. Uh, I'm going to ask um, a team to come back up and, and sing again. Um, living hope is, is fine if that's, uh, or if, unless you had planned something else, that's good. So that we close in a song. But, okay, something else. Something um, else. The, the team that was here this week, if if you noticed, he tried to make sure that there was something that he challenged us to do. I mean, their their name of their ministry is Life Action, and at the end they would say Life uh, In Action, do something. I really think that uh, I'm going to try to be more aware of that, too, and say, hey, where where is it? And uh, like I said, I, I have felt I've been excited. I wanted to come in and say, <laughs> I don't know why I'm playing with the pumpkin. Um I feel sometimes empty-handed. Okay, you're going through a hard time. Uh, I, I'll pray for you, and I hurt for you, and I will pray for you, and I do hurt for you. I, I believe that what we talked about in that praise thing is something very tangible that I can give you, and I know it's hard. Oh, come on, Mel, just praise the Lord anyway. I'm not saying that. I'm saying fight through it and praise him in the storm, and I think you'll be glad you did, and I think he'll be glorified because we praised him in the storm. Maybe that's something today where you, just, you want to try, even as you sing, uh, lifting your voice you know, to him and just say, God, I want to do this and surrender. If what I'm talking about as far as trusting him is something that is a, a little confusing to you, I would love to talk to you later. I'll be up here now, and if you want to come up this way, I'll be glad to introduce you to somebody who could share that with you, or I'm, I'm around and available after, because most importantly is that our faith is in Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? We'll pray and we'll sing. Father, um, <laughs> the greater the that I realize the message is, and the... The more I want people to have it, the more I feel inadequate to communicate it. So I just want to lay it down, bow before you, and just say, Holy Spirit, would you take your truth and apply it to the lives in a way that I never could. In your name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.